Monster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. I'm your host, Patrick, and with me is my co-host, who is also my brother. Me. I'm Jordan. I was waiting for you to say my name. <laughs> yeah, I never know how to do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm here, though. So Jordan and I are here once again. It's been a little while, uh, but as longtime listeners to The Dive know, uh, Jordan and I are always on the hunt for interesting movies, be they cult films, hidden gems, underrated, overrated, blockbusters, or bombs. If we've found something of value in a movie, we'll do a deep dive to find out why it works or why it doesn't. We'll also bring you information about the making of the film, its cast and crew, and some behind-the-scenes trivia. Uh, but we haven't been doing that lately. It's been quite a while since we've had an episode here, mm-hmm. hasn't it, Jordan? Yep. Yeah, you've been well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're doing it maskless, too. Yeah, so uh, 2020, what can be said? Uh, I don't think we really need to say too much about what's been going on in the world around us. Needless to say... It's thrown everyone for a loop, including this podcast. But uh, it's kind of a good, actually, marketing gimmick because now we can say, if people are listening to this, we can say you're a longtime listener. Like you're forced to be a longtime listener. Yeah, it's been like I don't even like six. No, not six months. It's it's coming up on Five, six months. Really? Yeah. We uh okay. yeah we have we have a captive audience. Then by definition, you are a longtime listener. <laughs> yeah, we now. have a captive audience, which is good. Yep. Um, and it's been a bumpy ride, but Jordan and I are both uh, in good health and doing relatively well. And, uh, you know, there's still movies. Well, sort of. (laughs) Well, I've had like 10 ideas before the one that we're doing now. Yeah. Between, like, in the meantime, trying to come up with ideas for And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of new new coming out from Hollywood right now. But but fortunately, they already made a bunch of movies. And and that's what we're primarily interested in here is talking about older films. Uh, And the movie we'll be discussing tonight is about 10 years, I think it's exactly mm-hmm. 10 years old, this this year at least, it's yep. a 10 year anniversary. Um, and this one fits pretty comfortably into the cult movie oh, yeah. category, I would say. So uh, that's enough preamble, without further ado, let's uh, cue up the trailer, you guys give that a listen, and when that's done, we'll be back to jump into our discussion. <laughs> I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here. Got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, we sign for your damn package. So, yeah, 8 o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band? Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, four! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! 
Feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo. Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? Getting a life. You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil exploits. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. You have just heard the what I'm sure is a uh, quirky, um, <laughs> charming, borderline annoying. Uh, no, yes, no. Yes. Uh, well, your mileage may vary. Uh, <laughs> the, you've heard the trailer for Scott Pilgrim versus the World. This movie was released way back in 2010. Mm-hmm. A much happier and more innocent time. Uh, did you it, see it in the theater when it came out? No, I didn't see it in the theater. Okay, no, I, I, I did. Yeah, I, th- I, I don't think I did. I'm, I'm almost sure I didn't. I remember specifically. Yeah, I saw it on DVD. Um, I have the DVD. It's actually sitting right here next to me. And uh, State-of-the-art DVD. Yeah, and on the, the cover of the DVD, there's a quote from uh, Peter Travers uh, proclaiming it a game-changer. He was so pleased with himself. Yeah, with yeah. And we'll, but I, like but I think I think I do too. I, I like Trevor's a lot. But I, I think uh, that sentiment was was pretty common amongst critics at yeah. the time uh, in regards to this movie. So we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, how much of a game changer this movie actually was? Um, what game exactly was it changing? Has said game changed? Um, I think we might dig into that a little bit. Um, Has my opinion changed? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, has my, I haven't seen it since I since I initially. Has it been like ten years, probably since yeah, you've seen it? Yeah, okay. I, I, I think I watched. I've it. seen it a few times. Yeah, I think I watched it when it came out on DVD, and um, obviously I own the DVD, so I didn't hate the movie. And then uh, ten years later, <laughs> you said, "Hey, let's do Scott Pilgrim," so I watched it again. Well, because I bought it, I picked it up maybe about a year ago for like four ninety nine, and I was like, "How is this movie four ninety nine? That's so, a genuine dumpster dive. There you go. <laughs> We're back. Yes. Yeah, no, this is kind of a perfect launch to our un- what I'm considering our unofficial second season. You know, Scott yes. Pilgrim, it's like it's a cult classic slash rebrand, but it's no. kind of it's kind of a cult classic everyone's seen. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not yeah, that, that actually is kind of one of the reasons why I picked it too yeah. a little bit because yeah. it's like it's cult. It's a cult movie, but. The cult is pretty big. At it's, this point. Yeah, it's kind of bringing the cult into the mainstream. It's a pretty, yeah. c- it's a pretty comfortable cult movie. Yeah. Um, so, for those who have not had the pleasure, or maybe uh, need a refresher after ten years, uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World is about a young Canadian man in his early twenties uh, named Scott Pilgrim and played by Michael Sarah. At his quirky, indie, lovable kind of best. Uh, he is quite good at this. Mm-hmm. Um, so he plays Scott Pilgrim, uh, who plays in a band and has no other source of income as far as I can tell. No, I don't think so. So he's kind of a kind of a, kind of of a a loser 
Yeah. Well, not really a loser. I mean, the band is... I think it's safe to say you could say he's kind of a... Kind of more of a... Let's say like a slacker. slacker kind yeah, of a yeah. slacker kind of guy. Um, the hook when the movie begins is that he's dating a high school girl, <laughs> uh, which his friends and bandmates kind of, you know, give him a little bit of side-eye for. Um, we later find out that the high school girl, whose name is Knives Chow, 17 years old, is something of a rebound... Uh, from a relationship he had previously been in with a girl who is also a member of a different band. That band Mm -hmm. has gone off into great mainstream success, Um, and she's left Scott in the dust. Um, So that's kind of where he's at when the movie picks up, dating this girl, Knives Chow. But that's none of that is actually what the the main plot of the movie is, uh, because the main plot involves a third love interest for Scott Pilgrim who he encounters uh, named Ramona Flowers and he encounters her first in a dream or at least what he thinks is a dream. He has some mm-hmm. kind of a vision of this this uh, girl. And yeah, he's in like a desert. Yeah, they're in like this desert landscape in his mm-hmm. mind. He encounters this girl and then sees her in the real world. So this is um, a big in the hint. library. Yeah, so this is a big hint that this movie takes place in a world where fantastic things can happen. Yep. And as he eventually initiates a relationship with Ramona Flowers, kind of behind Knives Chow's back, his high school mm-hmm. girlfriend, so he's kind of two-timing her a little bit, uh, but as he and Ramona Flowers grow closer, he eventually realizes that he is going to have to defeat in in combat, in actual physical combat, seven evil exes. Mm-hmm. Ramona's seven evil exes. Uh, so seven people she used to date are going to have to fight Scott, video game, Mortal Kombat style. So he can win her affection finally. So he can win the affection of Ramona. And this is all played kind of very straight. The characters sort of take this fantastic... Yep. Um, you know, reality as a matter of course, even though they exist in, in essentially the real world. So it's it's if you're listening to this description and haven't seen the movie and are wondering, well, what genre is this? Is this a realistic romantic dramedy? Or is this a anime-infused superhero adventure? Yes. If you're, if you're confused about that, that's kind of the point. It's all uh, of that. Yeah, this kind of weird mixing, quirky mixing of genres, all filtered through a very um, kind of indie hipster sensibility. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the point of Scott Pilgrim, is, is to mix these genres in a really fun way. Um, it's directed by Edgar Wright, mm-hmm. um, quite, quite well directed by him. And, and written by Edgar Wright. And written by Edgar Wright. And that's pr- that's pretty much the story of the movie. Is is once they they arrive at the setup, um, it's Scott having to face these evil exes. He also has to deal with with the his relation with Knives Chow, which he wants to get out of now, so he can be with Ramona. And, the, and it's kind of a subplot with the band trying to become successful. Yeah, the, yeah, that's the biggest. That's the main subplot. Is the band wants to to sign a major record. Yeah. 
label. Um, so they go into a bunch of battle. There's a bunch of battle. Battle of the, of the bands, which is where a lot of the confrontations with the evil exes take place. There's a lot of characters. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on. Scott has a sister. Scott has a gay roommate. Um, so there's a lot in this movie. It's about a two-hour runtime. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's, it's like exactly two hours, like two hours and three minutes or something. Yeah, like that. but that's essentially the the gist of the the story. So did I do a pretty good job in describing it? It's mm-hmm. it's it's a fairly fairly straightforward plot, but it's such an odd, unusual movie. It's hard to convey exactly what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was kind of nervous because I didn't know if you were going to like it. Yeah, well, I like Scott Pilgrim. I've <laughs> okay. been a, I was an early adopter. I mean, I think we Pilgrim. know that I like it because I'm the one that picked it yeah. to do so. I well, what is your what is your take on the movie? So you, you saw when it first came out? I saw it in the theaters. Times. Well, yeah, I've seen it a bunch of times, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, initially, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And then it started getting like... Well, this is actually the interesting thing, which don't want to jump too much into the Beyond the Dive, but it's always interesting to see the Rotten Tomato score, oh, which yeah. I just looked at last night because I was curious. See, I bet, crit- I bet I was, audiences like this one. Well, I was almost going to... I was going to try to guess because it's like... I, would I thought audiences did. weren't going to like it, and then critics were going to like it. Mm-hmm. It was, like, huge. It was, like, yeah. 84 on that, both. That, like, that everybody surprised loved it. me. Yeah. But also, numbers-wise, the movie bombed. Hmm. It made, like, half of its budget. Really? <laughs> so okay. it's like, where, what's going on? Yeah. But I remember really liking it and being kind of confused by it. So everyone, Why who, saw it, no everyone who saw it liked it, just not enough not people, a lot of went people to saw it. Not people saw it, I guess, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it was, who knows? Well, that's like, a cult classic. When it came out, or the, the right. timing or whatever it was up against, I don't know. I didn't yeah. do it. But, um, I think I like it way more hmm. than I did <laughs> 10 years ago. Okay. Um, and in terms of Edgar Wright films, I know people don't put this one like in there. I think it's the second best film after Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, you kind of forget it's an Edgar Wright film. Yeah, because I mean, he didn't... He wrote it, but he wrote it with someone else, too. Right. And it's an adaptation adaptation. of somebody else's writing. So, I mean, I can see how it kind of get muddied there a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, no, I was just, like, kind of surprised by... One genre you didn't talk about is that it's comedy. Like, this is one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. Okay. Like, I watched it actually just last night because I was going to watch, like, the commentaries. Mm -hmm. Just kind of get, like, a little refresher. And then... I kind of got to a point where it's like, we were going to do this. And I was like, I don't even know, like, the dialogue. I, like, I need to refresh myself on that. And I was like, I was going to watch, like, a little bit of it to kind of refresh myself on it. And I watched the whole thing straight through. Yeah. It is one of those movies where, like, it's, all, it's like, I don't want to say, like, it's, like, background noise. Or, but it's almost, like, hypnotic. Like, mm-hmm. the dialogue and everything. <laughs> like, every line is just, like, funny, funny. Like, you watch, like, a half hour of it. And there's more jokes in the first half hour than there are in most comedies that come out today so mm-hmm. i don't know i'm getting like you maybe not thinking it <laughs> no i'm um I, I you said you like it a lot more than the first time you saw it i, mm-hmm. I think i like it about the same you okay know, which which again i own the dvd mm-hmm. um i like this movie there's not i just a, i kept seeing things in it that i didn't see before uh-huh. and all like all edgar wright's movies are like that, mm-hmm. that you gotta watch you have to watch them multiple times like they're designed that way so okay so you liked it because it was really funny yes yep and the action, like, everything that was supposed to work about it, I thought worked. I think that's true. I thought the actors were great. Mm-hmm. Like, people they picked were kind of 
Not unknowns then. I mean, they are known actors, but yeah, they've we all were, gone on to some We were success. talking about this just before we recorded. Uh, Brie Larson is in mm-hmm. this. Chris Evans is in this. Um, they all do really good, like, comedic acting. Like, they're, yeah. not, they're not comedians, but they're good comedic actors. Yep. So that, like, the music, I thought it was a great yeah. soundtrack. Absolutely, yes. Um, the fight scenes, I yeah. thought, are pretty awesome, oh, too. Yeah. They weren't just, like, carbon copies. Of, they, like, they really tried to come up with something original. Mm-hmm. Like Edgar Wright said, they were inspired by Jackie Chan movies, where he's like the, he's on the defense. He's not oh, like attacking okay. people. He's always like trying to find a way to defend himself. Sure, yeah, I can so, see that. So I don't know. The action works well. <laughs> I think it's like hilarious. Like every, I think every line of dialogue is like mm-hmm. snappy. Like it's really, it fires on all cylinders. So the part, that, the stuff that really is supposed to work, I think works great. Yeah. My problem with it is that there's too much of it. Ah. Uh-huh. Because um, I heard them talk about when adapting Brian O'Malley's book, which I've never even read, mm-hmm. so I don't know a lot about. I think I was trying to remember because uh, it's a multi-volume series. Yeah, um, it, and, and it I wasn't finished by the t- when they made the movie. I think that's right. And it, no, it, I know that's right. That's uh, what they said. And it's uh, I think it was six volumes. I want to say Not, it was something like that. Yeah, it was, yeah. I want to say it was. 60, maybe even eight. But I think it was. I think it was yeah. six volumes. I think so he was like halfway through when the movie got. Yeah, made. And, and it's a, it's a, and and this adapts the whole thing. Like the mm-hmm. first volume is Scott Pilgrim versus the World, but the movie is the whole Scott Pilgrim series. Mm-hmm. So there is a, and it's it's a very faithful adaptation. So there is a lot in this movie. Yeah, you know, there's a lot in here. So. Well, it's it's weird because like the one thing that they kept mentioning in the in the commentaries and stuff and interviews that I heard is. Uh, like Edgar Wright would say, they they took chances with like or or they took liberties with like a lot of adaptation parts mm-hmm. in the book. Like not everything's the same. It's kind of like an alternate reality to the book. Mm-hmm. But they kept saying like it had to be seven. It had to be seven evil exits. Okay, because like five isn't funny. Like seven is, fun, but they didn't like explain why. Right. And I just kept thinking like you could easily take two people out. Okay. Of this. Good. I'm glad like, you that, got there. That would have made more sense. I, I, I had the same thought. And but I it's not like the individual scenes didn't work. Right. It's just like it's too much of it. Okay. So I'm glad you said that because I had that thought while watching the movie and mm. I suspect I probably had this thought 10 years ago. And I also suspect this shows up in a lot of the reviews. Couldn't have, made, couldn't have maybe been three or four evil exes. Yeah. You know what I'm That's saying? That's the part that I thought was weird because yeah. they, they were like, I think they said that when they first released it, that's the inter- the question they would get in like interviews. They do like, like why, why don't you just seven, why don't you just yeah. make it five? And they kept saying like, you know, five, seven is just a great number. It's just like this and this. It's like yeah. okay, like it just right. didn't make sense. I to mean, me. there like, I, I kind of get what he's saying. Like, like, but also it's like it wasn't like he he was like, well, we have to stay faithful to the book because right. they flat out say like, yes. We did things yep. differently, and right. b- even Brian O'Malley, he's on the commentary too. He's like, I love what you guys did with right. it. And oh, he's, he's like, on there. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, and he loves the adaptation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's I, kind uh, of a weird guy. But. Yeah, I um, I, I kind of get what he's saying. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's like there are certain things, certain words, certain phrases that just have a resonance. Yeah, and seven is kind of one of those numbers, right? Like it's kind of a, even a mystical number, you know. But it's an odd thing to like kind of. To like, focus on, fight for like, yeah. or focus on right. when the thing in question is: is your movie too long? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I thought easily they could have taken out the twins. Like, just get rid of them. That's two. Yeah. Done. That's right. like. It's, well, I was this. I mean, this is where I was at with you. I was never bored with the movie, mm-hmm. but the formula of like knowing he is going to have to fight seven. 
people, right. it does create this kind of like, okay, now we're about halfway done with the movie. Okay, now there's three. Now there's so And also it's like, so he can win the girl. I'm pretty I, sure he's going to win the girl. Right. And so also, it almost makes it kind of unnecessary. And also, watching this in 2020 as opposed to 2010, the idea of having to battle her exes to win the affection of what could be interpreted as kind of a magical pixie dream girl type Yeah, character. yeah, I've read the article. It is a little... <laughs> I, I don't think it ever becomes a problem for the movie, mm-hmm. but, but I don't think... They I think were, it would if Ramona didn't come across as like an actual character. Oh yeah, to me I feel like she does. does. Yeah. yeah, probably the most of anyone in the movie. Yeah, if she was like underwritten yeah. as a character, I, I would it, totally agree. It's with still that. territory you probably wouldn't wade into now. Yeah, you, or you might try to come at it from a different. But angle. so would probably like the style of video games that yes. he plays too. Yeah, so you know, yes. it comes with the territory yes. and the time that it was made. Too. Yeah, but I was going to say about the twins and about them there maybe being too many of these evil exes, like when. They, I had forgotten that there were twins, and when they introduced the idea that there's twins... Oh, you're like, like relieved. Oh, okay, thank God. I think we can get rid of two at once. Even though that scene was cool, but... They're all cool. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, it's not that they're bad scenes. Yep. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a problem of length or, or complexity. I, I think it's just, like, the structure of, like, knowing, like, he's going to fight this guy, and then he's going to fight this guy, yep. and then he's going to fight this guy, and then he's going to fight this guy. Um, it just kind of creates this kind of... I don't know. It kind of creates this awareness of the runtime in your mind that yeah, maybe they wouldn't have intended. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's just you know, one or get rid of one or two of those. And also, like the fights, they're good. Yeah, but they're the least interesting part of, to me. Okay, about the movie, like I was more interested in just like the jokes, the just, like the comedy, like the one-liners and like all the stuff that I forgot was in yeah. it. And I've seen it multiple times, and like. Like, there were two things that made me laugh, like, really hard okay. yesterday, and it's like, I didn't even... Like, I've seen it fairly recently, but I was like, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> that yeah. was great. Well, what did you think were the funniest bits? I'm curious. Oh, see, there's so many. I knew you were going to ask that, and it's like, I'm going to forget all Do you all remember of them. what the two that made you laugh? Yes. Okay, well... The one... Well, were there more than that? I, I mean, I laughed at a lot of it, yeah. but... Number one was the Seinfeld. That was my favorite. I was like, I, I totally forgot and about it. And it was funny every time. Every every time yep. they played the fake laugh track, it was funny. I laughed yep. at every single and it was, one. And it was like, he came. He comes out of the <laughs> door. <laughs> he comes out of the door with like a new shirt on. The audience are like, ooh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so they, they yeah, have... That, um, that the, yeah, the, so uh, in one of the scenes when they cut to uh, Scott and his roommate's apartment... It's like a scene from Seinfeld when Kramer yeah, comes in the they, they parody uh, a, a Seinfeld specifically. But so not they really, though. Well, it's they it's have only a parody because of They have of the music. Seinfeld sting, and then, yeah, you're right. And then they play the, the scene as they would ordinarily play it. Right. But just for this one scene, yes. for no apparent reason, they have a very And obvious, the jokes are a little, like, yeah. they don't quite fit, but they're funny. They have like, a very, like you know, obvious laugh track playing over. Yes. Uh, so it's like, oh, I got the second bass last night. Ooh. And the audience oohs and ahs, yeah. like Saved by the Bell or something. Yeah, it was just weird. You're right. It was, I don't know why that was so funny, but that, that was probably one of, that was probably my favorite. And I think Edgar Wright said in the commentary too, he's like, every audience laughed at that. Yeah. That like, was no really matter where we took it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so unexpected. It was, he was like, from now on in my movies, I'm just going to throw in a random Seinfeld yeah. bass. <laughs> I think that's what was funny about it, that it was just, well, it's, in the it's middle just like, of the movie, 
no and you don't see that in any like it was kind of original yeah it was weird and also i thought because i mean i have read the comic um and i know it's a faithful adaptation but i don't remember exactly what's changed but that is obviously something that would have just been in the film you know right in the comic so it's like that was pure pure movie which was great yep what was the other scene you thought was really funny Oh, what? Uh, oh, it was the at the very end. It was, <laughs> it was just like a really quick joke. But oh no, there's there are three. Okay, it was one was where he was talking to Gideon on the phone at the very end. Uh huh. He goes, "Is Ramona there?" And he goes, "I don't know. Is Ramona here?" And then Ramona says something, uh, and he screams, and he goes, "Ah!" <laughs> and then like, he has to hold the phone away from his ear. He's like, "Geez, Scott, it's not that bad." Yeah. And then it cuts back to Scott. He's like, oh, "I just spilled hot cocoa on my lap." Yeah, that's a very <laughs> Seinfeld joke. Yeah, I, but I totally <laughs> forgot. <laughs> just because the, like the scream is really funny, it's right. like this really over the top scream. Right. And he holds the phone away from his head. <laughs> Jeez, like, and I totally forgot about it too. Right. Um. Oh, the other one. That's oh, kind of a dumb joke. But it was where they first, they see knives in the. Is it knives? Yeah, it's knives when she dresses up as Ramona mm-hmm. in the club yeah. where they meet Envy. Yeah, and they and I think Ramona's like, "Who is that girl?" And then he has that little wheel that spins in his head, uh-huh. like it's like the Price is Right wheel oh, yeah. or the, and it like one of the options is I have to pee, right. and the other one is who who her. Right. And then it, like, lands, like, in the middle. Oh, like, right. he doesn't know what to say. And then it comes back to Scott. He goes, I have to pee on her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, what? <laughs> like, I'm the pee time. Yeah. And then he, like, just walks away. <laughs> yeah. and, like, I totally, like, it's such a clever, like, visual yeah. thing. Yeah. That it's totally fitting with Edgar. I don't know. That kind of stuff. Made me. And there was, I all, the all the time. Yeah, think, all yeah. the time. Yeah. Like, there's so yeah. many of those. That's true. That's true. Except when the fighting's going on, though. And then you're a little Yeah, the fights like, aren't funny, per yeah. se. But, but they're visually... Yeah, they're creative. Fun they're good. look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I don't know. That probably didn't sound funny explaining it, but... <laughs> I, yeah, it might not have. This but movie I, but made I me laugh more than okay. most like, right. comedies that I've seen. See, I don't think I laughed at it that much. Okay. But I did laugh at all three of those parts. Um, yeah, it is... It's a very likable movie, despite not having maybe the most likable characters. Yes, like, yes, like I, I thought about those. I, the, yeah. Their main characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, or so it could be. This was kind of my experience watching it, and and I mostly liked it, but I don't think mm-hmm. I liked it quite as much as you did. And okay. So when I first, saw I find it, it a little hard to take like a lot of the stuff seriously, like the pixie girl theories. And I don't. I'm not going to talk. About, the, I'm not going to talk about any of that. I don't care. Is about he that. an unlikable uh, protagonist? Yeah. And, like, well, that though I feel like is a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Um. I mean, I. I I somewhat agree with that, but I do have kind of an answer to it too. All right, well let's 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 go to that right away. So I'll kind of give you my take on that. Okay. So like, um, I forgot our format. Are we supposed to be following something? Like, what is? <laughs> <laughs> I really just started talking about. It. No, we're doing it right. I okay. gave I gave. <laughs> Jordan and I are figuring out how to. This is just our test show. I, I assume nobody is listening to. This. It's like just now. I feel like we just started talking about it. <laughs> There's no like. No, format or anything. we're on the right track. Okay. We, we did the summary of the film. Okay. You gave your opinion. You, you yeah, Just explain three things that made you laugh yeah, about it. You, you gave your <laughs> overall take on the movie. Okay. And now I'm going to kind of give I'm my, show. my take, and we're going to kind of have a little back and forth here. Okay. This is, we've only done 12 <laughs> of these. We'll, we'll get this done one of these days. Um, anyway, uh, Scott is an unlikable character. Uh, let's see. <laughs> is he? Um, kind of. 
Why is that a problem? Um, because I'm like you. Uh, I'm not one of those people who's like, I didn't like this movie because the main character was yeah. unlikable. There's there's tons of great art yeah. with reprehensible characters. You don't, yeah. don't have to relate to the character. To it like is one thing that I was kind of a little on the fence about. Yeah, I'm like, you know, so the movie starts, and at first, when it, when it first started playing, and the di- I forget what the opening dialogue is, but whatever it is, I have, I'm kind of it's they're practicing. Oh yeah, they're um, they're playing the game. I know they're not playing. The no, game. they're 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 practicing in the in the garage or whatever. They're banned. Oh I, yes, I think. yes. I don't remember what they're talking about, but whatever the dialogue. They're not was, in the garage. They're in that uh, young Neil's the or Neil Young's place. Yeah, yeah. Um, whatever the um, I just got that Neil Young thing now, by the way. But uh, <laughs> and young Neil. <laughs> but um, whatever they were saying, you know, it's it's Scott Pilgrim hipster dialogue. Yeah. So my initial reaction, oh yeah they're sitting around the kitchen table yeah so my initial reaction was like Ugh, is this gonna be like yeah. too hipstery but um, that quickly fades away yeah that vibe I didn't get to no nope, because it's so well written and it's so charming and it's so funny and it's so sharp so that wasn't a problem but um yeah you that's like okay here's Scott kind of a loser. But kind of quirky and lovable, and it's you said he's Sarah. a slacker, though, not a loser. Well, that's right, slacker. <laughs> um, dating a high school girl, okay, you know, and then yeah. it's like you find out, like, but it's not like he's thirty-seven dating a high no, school girl either. No, but he just—he's kind of like an ass, you know. Yeah, and it's like that ends up kind of being the point that he comes to at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But through the whole movie, we just kind of see this guy, kind of like, like if it—if it hadn't been Michael Sarah. Or he had played it a little differently. It mm-hmm. had been a little more more confident, arrogant guy, and he was doing and saying the exact same things. It would be really off-putting. Yeah. But since it's cute little Michael Sarah, and the dialogue is so quirky, you're supposed to find Scott, or maybe you're not. I don't know. But I I feel like you you you're kind of supposed to love Scott a little bit. Like he's kind of like a lovable loser. But really, yeah. it's like he's just kind of really an ass. You know what I mean? Like he. He sort of cheats, kind of on on knives chow, and he's yeah. It's weird that he's dating a high school girl anyway. And then you find out that he had dated um, the drummer in the band mm-hmm. and had kind of been an ass to her. And he's just kind of like. But you don't really know what happened. Well, no, but I mean, they definitely imply. I mean, he apologizes at the very end to her, so you, they yeah. definitely imply that he was. Cause, kind of like this jerk through his whole life and not really treating these girls super great. And then he meets Ramona Flowers, who seems totally this amazing chick who can access alternate dimensions. She's kind of an ass, too. <laughs> she, she was in her past. Yeah. But I feel like when we meet her in the film, she seems totally cool, and she's like... Well, she's pretty rude to Scott in the first place, anyway, without knowing But I feel like that stuff. is the appropriate response to someone like Scott. Cause see, like, but she didn't know any of that... It was just meeting a random person at a party. It was meeting year. a random person at a party who comes up to you awkwardly, tells you a, a fumbled anecdote. That part was funny, yeah. too. And you're like, yeah, dude, I'm not really that into you. That seemed a completely appropriate response. So here's my thing. Like, why does she go for Scott? She kind of seems like yeah. too good for him a little bit. So I kind of didn't like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> and, and I feel like the reason that's a problem with the, this movie is because of all the different genres it's blending, one of them is this kind of dramedy. It's kind of like we want to see this boy win over this girl. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, I, I just don't really know why I'm rooting for Scott. And then to kind of tack on at the very end, he realizes like, Oh yeah, I'm. You know, he says something like, 
when he fights the final villain, who, spoiler alert, is also the person who can sign their band to this big record yeah. deal, um, and who had masterminded the whole Seven Evil Exes scheme to begin with. You know, he, when he's going to fight him, he says, like, I'm not fighting for Ramona, I'm fighting for myself. Meaning, like, Scott has now, at the very end of the movie, realized he needs to be a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he apologizes to the, to the women in the movie who he has wronged. And, but that's at the very end. And, and through all the fights, there wasn't really, as far as I could pick up, a lot of development leading up to that. Um, so I feel like that's a bit of a problem with the movie. I feel like okay. the, the narrative arc is a little a little thin and and I don't have a great reason to be like rooting for this guy. Okay. Do you kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you did you kind of get that vibe a little bit or not really? <laughs> well, I guess it's probably not a good place to say that I kind of identified Related with Scott a little bit. Yeah. Well, no, hey, we all have a little Scott and one, all of us. I one thing sure. I can say Maybe is that's that why I didn't like it. One thing I can say is that if you look back on it and hear like he's they give all the ages and everything, he's 22. Uh-huh. It's kind of innocent in a way. Yeah. It's not like no. it's, they're not adults. Right. A 22-year-old is kind of a kid oh, still. Yeah. And 100%. Scott is also, like, immature for his age, yes. obviously. It's, like it, they're, it's not like they're not trying to and, play and, it that and, way either. And like, none of the other characters purposeful. are letting off the hook for this, yeah. right? Like, they're all kind of giving him a hard time. Yeah, they're all digging and, at him. And he's in a low place because of the breakup with Envy and yeah. all this. but. But again, I'm just like, why am I rooting for this guy? And then like, well, I kind of saw it as he's like right in that little like in between area where he can go either way, and you can see hints of him being like, you know, like kind of a cool guy, like a nice cool guy, which he has with Michael Sarah. You're right that if it was anybody else, right, playing it the exact same like way, even would a, not even work. a little bit more aggressively, like yeah. the, the exact same. It's dialogue. a very fine line. I totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah, but I feel like it's kind of played that way throughout where it's like he could kind of go either way Mm -hmm. he could kind of be come a total ass right like he has both those aspects right at all the time right so i didn't really get that like (laughs) full-on i didn't get the full-on ass yeah no it it wasn't um and and i guess you're right because because that is i kind of saw it more as like he's figuring it out so it's like yeah, at, and at the same time, it's, it's like to it's be. hard to like grab onto that character yeah. and be like, you. Can, I identified with him, but it wasn't like God. I really want to be Scott Pilgrim, right. and like you don't want to be this character in this situation. And it is a little odd that Ramona would go for him. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of built into I, the story I, a little. I bit. I think what you're saying does make sense, and then of course at the end, because that is a real thing that that people go through usually at that stage in their life like and i don't think it's about winning ramona flowers like I don't well think it is but but doesn't it i don't think it was supposed to be like but i mean you don't really realize that till the very end right like it just to me it just seemed like it was about trying to i don't know it. i yeah maybe. So, and then at the I end of the movie, felt... they say like well no it really wasn't it's really about scott like realizing he's kind of a jerk and i'm like oh okay maybe i was too dumb to like pick up on that like earlier in the movie but like I just wasn't getting that that earlier yeah. on, so I was kind of like, "All right, I guess I hope Scott." I don't know if it's like up all her exes so he can win over Ramona. Like I guess I want that to happen. I don't know. think it's about just like not getting it or getting it or not, but you know, it's just like a different way to look at. Yeah. it. Yeah, like I can see where you would think that Scott. Like if you explained all the shit that he did, like, yeah. Oh, he's dating a high schooler. He's me, or he's 
cheating on one of the girlfriends, or he's cheating on both of them. Yeah. He was mean to another past girlfriend. If you explain all those things, yeah, yeah, he sounds like a complete, like a jerk, yeah. like a loser jerk. But then if you see, like, Michael Sarah and the way he portrays it, I think he's awesome in this. Oh, I think yeah. he's, like, even better oh, I than love Michael in Superbad. And, like, yeah. And that was great, too. Yeah. Well, I remember, because my history of Scott Pilgrim is, I, I think um, just the way he plays it, it makes it hard to, like, root against him a yeah, little bit. Yeah. And I wasn't exactly rooting against him. I guess, like, I just didn't have any... For me, the, the big flaw of this movie is that... Um, and and it really is all minor flaws because I did. It is such an eminently watchable yeah. and likable film, but I think for me, what keeps it from being one of my cult movies and like, a, in my opinion, like a great film, is that like, it, it is missing kind of like a moral center. Like it doesn't have much ultimately yeah. to say. You know what I mean? It's it's fun to watch, but I yeah. just I don't know that there's a lot there. Yeah, that is interesting though because then that is kind of like the least morally centery Edgar Wright film. Yeah. Because that's what separates, like, a lot of his movies and his comedies yeah. from... is like, there's... It's like Judd Apatow. Like, there's always, like, a good story. Right. Like, it's a story first, and then we'll put, like, jokes on top yeah. of it. And again, maybe that was here, and it's, it's it just, might be hard to tell there's because so it's much like, layered on top of it. Maybe I couldn't. Well, like, and also it's like volumes of books, and where, yes. where they like go up, and there's right. like a ton of different arcs. It's going up and down, right. and this had to be like all one big yeah. through line. So maybe, like, it might be hard to draw that all like yeah. as a movie. well, especially <laughs> when so much of the runtime needs to be taken up by these fights. Yeah, which again are spectacular. You yeah. know. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I liked all of them, but even I was like, yeah, right. you could cut, maybe even two. Maybe cut I definitely th- thought that about the twins. Cut. I was like, by the time it got there, I was like, you could, there's two right there. Maybe You're down cut five. out two Done. fights and have like a couple of more scenes where Scott like kind of makes some incremental growth towards yeah. this ultimate realization he comes to about himself, which is like, oh yeah, I've been kind of an ass and I need to say I'm sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so... But but again, it's like I kind of or it could have a few more moments. Like the one that I remember is when he like breaks up with knives, and they do that scene where like the background drops out, mm-hmm. and it's like all in black, and that's like how you feel. Yeah, she's like totally isolated, and you really feel like yeah, God, this guy's a, like not that he's a dick, but it's like like the movie like stops from being like crazy wacky. Um, yeah. video game sound effects yeah. and words going up, and it's just knives standing there like, oh, like, yeah. now we're going to break up. And it got like a little sad right there. Yeah. <laughs> like they could have had a few more moments like that yeah. and maybe have some with actually Scott. And like kind of, like ironically the whole movie is kind of in his head a little bit. Yeah. But you don't really know right. what's going on in his head or why he's doing this. I don't know. Like all I read was that he's just trying to like figure it out. Yeah. Like he's not deliberately. He's not going like oh, I'm going to cheat on knives. He kind of did it in a way where he's like, well, technically, am I cheating? Right. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'll just talk to this other girl. Right. Like, right. 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 And right. does that make you a complete ass? Like no. Right. That, I don't know. Yeah. And and they and even with knives that you know she's younger, but they say like, oh yeah, we've we've hugged a couple of times. You know yeah. what I mean? They had so he never had sex with her or anything right. like that. So. You know, it's like, yeah. It, yeah, the things I would say is that, A, it's kind of innocent. Yes. And, B, it's it's not defined one way or the other. It's kind of, like, throughout. It's It could go either way. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, but, uh, you know, like, another problem is, like, 
like I was talking about earlier, like the girl at the end, like he's, you know, he's going to wind up with her. Like right. it kind of makes it anticlimactic too. Right. So, so I, I think like the first half, the first two thirds of it is like really strong. And by that time you have a few things working against you where you're, it's like your runtime is too long. Yeah. Um, it's getting predictable at this point. And you need the end to be something memorable. Right. And, like, you need the characters to be... They said this in the commentary, too. They were like, one of the problems they had when writing it to end it is all the characters had, like, these art... Or yeah. The story, like, they went through the entire story and got to the end, and they were all in the exact same place as they were before. And no one had, like, learned anything. Like, you could have... Like, it, the movie essentially could have not happened at all. Yeah. And they're like... Maybe, like, that was what they identified as being, like, the original problem to okay. it. And, like, they needed somebody to have some sort of moment. And they actually said that this is why I think, like, it's just a comedy. Like, you don't get too caught up in it yeah. either. Is they added the one line where Scott's like, I feel like I learned something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, he just says something obvious. Like, okay, now's the point when the guy's supposed to learn something. Mm-hmm. Like, they just kept trying to, like... Almost like subvert themselves in the story. Well, I gotta say, I think their criticism of their own film. Was well, that's not where they ended up, but that, right I think that's what their original problem. I, was. I don't know that they solved that problem okay. completely. Cause, uh, cause that's fair for me because what what they said is like it's just a bunch of stuff that happened. Is like, yeah, that's kind of if if I have to make it. And again, mm. I'm I'm kind of playing against you because uh, you gave a lot of the positives, yeah. so I'm trying to say like this. I like I did like this movie. I really liked it. Um, probably one of the strongest movies we've, we've talked about on here. But, like, that is what keeps it from being great. And a movie that, like, I won't revisit this again anytime soon. You know what I mean? It's just, like, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. A fun time. But it's just, like, it just didn't add up to anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I, it's hard to compare this to any movie because it is so unique. But I think of movies like Juno. Kind of like these quirky, semi-stylized movies about young yeah, people. And, and those movies, what stands out to me is like these really powerful character moments. You mentioned that things with, with that moment with Knives Chow. Mm-hmm. It's a little like that for me, but it wasn't didn't really hit the highs of some of these better. Like, well, yeah, it wasn't like I was like reaching for the tissues. And I was gonna cry because yeah. but, but, but I want to cry. Was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I should be able to cry. But see, I like, think people cry in Marvel movies. I, I think cry. that's where it's like our just the perception we're looking at it is different yeah. because I'm looking at it more of like. Had like a movie like Airplane or something, yep. where it's just like, yeah, what is the moral center of Airplane? Right, it's right. Like, there's no center. We have we wanted these yeah. characters, and we wanted like different characters so they could play off each other right. for jokes. Like, I like Kieran Culkin, and I love yes, his character. I do too. But, but here's the just thing. for the way that they play off each other, and just so they can do jokes like when they're when Scott sees. Well, now I'm just gonna repeat the jokes. But when Scott sees like. Uh, Ramona talking to Knives for the first time and they like zoom in and there's like all these crash zooms zooming in. You get one of Kieran Culkin like looking at the uh, Scott's sister's boyfriend. Oh, right, right, so it's right. like he <laughs> yeah. it's like included with all the other right. steps. <laughs> it's just like little stuff like that. There's yeah. so many of them. <laughs> I agree, yeah. I so think like, on that level but here's the thing, like I think the movie was trying to be the other thing too. Yeah, I think yeah, the movie it, was also trying to be Juno and it was it kind of was trying to make you cry a little bit too. And it's like and on that level man, you know, it, it, it was trying yeah. to get you to feel something and Scott Pilgrim's not really the yeah. like, it's not going to hit you in the feels. Yeah, and I guess ultimately, like, that's kind of, like, what I need to, like, really embrace mm-hmm. 
it as like one of my one of my cult movies. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's really what we're we're talking about here. It's like we're starting from the baseline that this is a good movie and this is worth seeing. Um, for me, the question is: Is this a great movie? Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and I don't know. Is this a movie? Do you think it's the 10, 10 year anniversary of the movie? Do, is it? Do you feel like it's still in the public consciousness? Like, do people still watch Scott Pilgrim? Do still I watch think it's very much a cult yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, people I talk to know what Scott Pilgrim. Well, what but if, I, it might just be like in my world. <laughs> well, what? About, and I'm, but I'm not even really like a gamer, right? And like, yeah, it, we it haven't totally talked sp- much about video games. It totally spoke to yeah. me. But it's like video games are just kind of like a backdrop to it. Well, like, the video you know them, video games are um, the and the aesthetic. Of the movie, you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's like, like anime and right, videos. like he beats a bad guy and the bad guy turn into coins. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, that that aesthetic, very like organic. Well, even just the fighting the seven X's, he's like yes. levels. Yeah. <laughs> like the movie is like advancing to yeah. the next level. That's very well done on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, anything <laughs> else to say about Scott Pilgrim? No. <laughs> I, I liked it. I mean, I'd give it like if we're rating it like stars, it'd be like. Three out of four, mm-hmm. maybe three and a half. I think we're really gonna have to differ on this too because yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I it's weird because like, I don't think I laughed quite as much as you did either. But I think some of the parts were really. Funny. I love Edgar Wright, and yeah, it is kind of missing that part of it too because the ones that he does when Simon Pegg's not involved are a little like even Baby Driver. I like Baby yeah. Driver a lot. But it's not. That's another his one. Best. It's like, yeah, it's another it's one. It's like, like stylist- it's reaching for something. Stylistically, yeah, amazing. You know what I mean? But it's like, yeah, there's kind of a hollow center there a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little yeah. bit. So that's. I think about how I feel about Scott Pilgrim. But like, well, if you look at like, um, what's the other? One? The World's End. Is that one? you've never seen? That I haven't one, right? seen that one. That's the third one in their right. their trilogy with Simon Pegg. And I can't say that it's, like, the funniest one, mm-hmm. but it's actually, like, surprisingly a really good sci-fi story, yeah. which is what it was supposed to be. Like, well, it, it's almost like they started out with, like, a really good sci-fi concept, yeah. and then they tried to turn it into a comedy. And I always love that in movies, when, like, you're watching what you think is just, like, a genre exercise, and then, like, all of a sudden something kind of creeps in and punches you in the gut, like, oh, this is, like, a real film. Even, I don't know why I keep going back to Juno, I guess that's because of Michael Sarah, but, like... <laughs> yes. um, you know, Juno is very much like that. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's not really a genre movie, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like, okay, quirky indie movie about these kids who are kind of like a little cooler than everyone else. But then like there is this turn that that movie takes at one point where you're yep. just like, oh shit, this is like a real grown-up adult movie. You know, and it's that's, like, that's the rope-a-dope. And they rope you in. And to me, that's why like I, I kind of like put Juno as like one of my, like, my cult movies. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And in a way that Scott Pilgrim really isn't you know what i mean um yeah but i just look at it like i don't need that part of it in order for it to you know like my favorite movies can be like well now i'm gonna say juno but something like that and then spinal tap right you know like they're all they're constantly battling like which is the top and which is the Mm -hmm. you know like this would be a great scott pilgrim Pilgrim is like i don't even want to say it's like disposable because i i Every time I rewatch it, I see jokes and I like, yeah. but just for that aspect alone, like, as a comedy, I think it's, like, I think it's great. I think it works so well. All right. <laughs> I feel like I overpraised it. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling that you were going to, 
not be as I, I, enthused as. But like I say, three, three, maybe three and a half out of four. That's good. That's pretty good. Okay. You know, I don't, I no hate for Scott. Pil- you know, the funny thing is, I keep trying to, I kept trying to interject this. My my history with Scott Pilgrim is, I was like an early Scott Pilgrim adopter because I read the mm-hmm. first volume of the comic when it came out, even before the comic was a big deal. The comic kind of became a cult hit itself. Um, and I remember. They announced they were going to do a movie, and I was like, okay, fine. And then, like, when they announced it was Edgar Wright directing and Michael Sarah starring, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, they get it. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, it's a very, But like, is the book kind of hollow at the center a little bit, that, too? Yeah, that's the other part of what I was going to say. By the time the movie came out, um, I think, at least by the time I saw the movie, I had finished or almost finished the, the graphic novels, which came out under, under over a pretty long period of time. Mm-hmm. And... You know, when I read the first one, I was like, oh my god, this is a, this is a game changer, right? This is like what the new mainstream comics are going to look like. Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Um, and by the end of it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to end it and, you know, finish reading it. I wasn't as enthused because yeah. there maybe wasn't as much there as there initially seemed. Um, and I think that the movie was kind of the same way, you know? Okay. It was like... Yeah, it's it's really there's some there is something really fresh and really original and really charming about it. But by the time you get to the end, you're like, all right, well, I'm gonna make dinner and you know move move on with my life rather than it really like hitting you, you know. And I don't know why I'm setting such a high standard for this movie. Okay. I think I think because like we said, it is a popular cult film, yeah. even though like you said, I guess it wasn't a big box office success. No, not at all. Um, but it was like Edgar Wright's biggest yeah. like box office failure. But I think now it's like people fondly oh, yeah. regard it's, it. You it's know? become a cult. Um, so I, I think I'm kind of looking at it through that lens, like uh, like as opposed to like a, a a more unloved movie that you and I might have dug up. <laughs> this is like one that's like canonized as like a beloved yes. quirky cult classic. So I'm I think I'm kind of like being a little. I was digging into it a little bit harsh. I was yeah. I was gonna say if you're if you're trying to dig into like. Why has this become such yeah, a cult classic? Yeah, I think that's kind of what I think. I think you shouldn't look any further that it's, like, fucking funny. And, well, that, and that it's and, very, and like... Maybe, and maybe the... It's stylish. Well, yeah, and maybe and the fact well that written. it is a little frothy. There, There isn't too much more to it. Maybe yeah. that is part of the reason it was so... Oh, I know the other one I was going to compare it to is, like, Gremlins 2 that we talked about on no, this, too. Where I it's just like that one. <laughs> well, I just mean in terms of just, like, let's just make a lot of jokes. Yeah. Let's just, like, write a bunch of jokes. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily have to have a... Gremlins 2 does have, like, a little bit better of a story. Almost. Oh, yeah. I, def- <laughs> I cry in Gremlins 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. All right. Well, uh, but, uh, again, a good movie, so... All right. Um, what I was going to ask you, uh, and we can kind of transition into the um, the deeper dive and any, anything behind the scenes that you know or about the making of the movie, like... I always give away them as I'm talking. Yeah, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but, like, in terms of this movie being a game changer, like, what what's your thought about, like... I think that's a lame pun to put on it, but... Yeah, well, what's your thought about, like, what the movie landscape looked like at the time this came out, and... Was this movie influential? That's my question. Like, do you think this movie was was ahead of its time? Do you think it kind of like influenced movies that came no, later? No, I, I wouldn't kind of say a, it's ahead outlier. of its time. I think it's just like it, it, almost like it's designed to be a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like too far ahead. Like, I know it's, you said it's kind of like empty, but I think it's too far ahead of the audience. Okay, I think it's like almost made for a twenty twenty audience. Hmm. Like, you know, like the 2010 audience isn't going to get this almost in a way hmm. or it's almost uh, like too clever 
mm-hmm. for its own good almost. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a game changer because it didn't like... There weren't other movies like it, and it wasn't yeah. really that successful. But at the same time, I do feel like the aesthetics, like, like when you're looking at the more genre aspects of this movie, like you've got charming, funny, quippy characters mm-hmm. in really dynamic. Battles. But did that really start around with Scott Pilgrim? Well, I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I guess I don't. I, I was know watching it. And I was like, this isn't a million miles removed from like Thor Ragnarok. You know, the kind yeah, of like yeah. feel and style of it. Yeah. You know, that kind of mixing of like. You know, it's funny because I thought about that with um, um, Ant Man, mm-hmm. and I could see like why Edgar Wright would walk away from an Ant Man movie because mm-hmm. like he invests everything and right. like he has re- gone through Scott Pilgrim all those volumes right. multiple times just to even make it like rewatchable. So, right. Even though like you can say it might be a little hollow, but it's very rewatchable. You could see like why if Marvel wanted to do it a certain way, why he would be like. Yeah, I don't want to put my name on that. Yeah, he's not that kind of he's that. not that kind of a director. Yeah. yeah. So in that way it's like it is such like expressive of a personality too, mm-hmm. I think. That's why I like it too cuz it just really feels like Edgar Wright to yeah. me. And I just love the way like I love all his films. Mm-hmm. I feel like if Quentin Tarantino did straight comedy, mm-hmm. he would be Edgar Wright. Yeah, I thought of Tarantino when I was watching yeah. this. Someone someone who is just kind of like really Like if Tarantino were to just like a high, like high functioning Tarantino, write funny dial like write nothing but funny dialogue, yeah. and you say like you, you, this movie doesn't really have to have a story; it can just have a premise. Just right. give us like funny dialogue and some fight scenes in there, and cast whoever you want. Yeah, and like it would look exactly like mm-hmm. Edgar Wright's. Yeah, not saying like Edgar Wright copies him, right. but it's just like very much that style. Like yeah. he's got his own style. Another filmmaker he reminded me of, um, and and I thought of this especially when I was thinking about like how it's influenced the current movie landscape is uh, like Joss Whedon, um, okay. and I, and I feel like Scott Pilgrim kind of happened at the same time. Like I feel like Avengers was a few years later, probably. So Joss yeah, wasn't Whedon, that like twelve or yeah? So Joss Whedon, yeah, that's what that's what I think. Avengers is probably this was 10, That's what I have so. in my mind. Yeah. Um, so Joss Whedon was already Joss Whedon of Buffy the Vampire Slayer mm-hmm. fame. And then he kind of brought that sensibility to the Avengers, and then that filtered into all the Marvel movies that followed. Yeah, I didn't followed. like it. You mean just kind of like, almost like lighthearted? Uh, I think in the mixing of like mundane, like, ooh, does this, oh, okay, does yeah. this girl really like me or not? Um, oh, yeah, I got to uh, save the world right. at 4.30, but my homework's due yeah, I tomorrow. It kind of had that vibe where mm-hmm. the characters took everything kind of at face value. Yep. So there were these likable, relatable kids kind of just like you except cooler and quippier um and then they're also saving the world in these really fun violent battles um and just the whole vibe of that aesthetic i feel like joss whedon brought to the marvel movies and because the marvel movies are so popular that now exists in like all genre cinema Mm -hmm. and i feel like scott pilgrim had the same thing i kind of feel like it was two filmmakers coming at the same idea Independently, rather than one influencing the other, I'm oh, not yeah. sure about that. Yeah. But just because they were, just because of when they came out. Um, but that yeah, I never made like an Edgar Wright or Joss Whedon connection. Yeah, that's another that, one that I thought of. Sense, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like a Joss Whedon movie. Except Joss Whedon. See, if Joss Whedon had made this, um, it would be Ramona. It would right. be Ramona Flowers versus the world. Right. 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 But right. otherwise, it would be probably the same yep. you know um aesthetically it's it's very joss whedon to me but i thought of tarantino too mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they treat all the genre elements on like the same yeah. on the same level. They put everything on everything's the same Everything's on shelf. the same level. Yep. Like the battle with, you know, uh, Gideon at the end yep. is is on the same level as like, oh god, my two girlfriends are meeting up at the bar. But I think that's sort of like a lot of the comedy and that's why a lot of like Tarantino movies are also like just funny. Yeah. <laughs> like I would say like Inglorious Bastards and Django are two of like some of the or some of the funniest movies that have come out recently too. Mm-hmm. They're not just that. Right. But like juxtaposing all that stuff together. <laughs> yeah. Like the fact that something really funny could happen while I don't know, like a slave is yeah. killing a master or something right. like that, you know. They put it all at yeah. the same level together. Like, they see all film as to be, like, yep. all on the same yep. plane. And Edgar Wright is definitely yes. like that. And Tarantino is definitely yep. like that. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Um, all right. I think we have, we have uh, done a, a deep, deep dive on this movie. <laughs> is there any uh, uh, anything else, like, uh, about making the movie that you came across in the commentary track or anything that you didn't bring up already during our discussion? Uh, well, I brought up the stuff that I thought was interesting already. <laughs> was there anything, it was, anything boring you would like to share with the audience? I think you'd probably be more interested in talk, talking about that. No, um, like it was made over a long period of time. They were trying okay. to get it made a long time. And it was made in Canada. They did film it in, in okay, Toronto, which yeah. Which I did not. I didn't yeah. know if they did or not. It was very authentically Toronto. Mm-hmm. Which I thought worked, too, because mm-hmm. it's like it didn't look like it was just a green screen. No. Uh, th- and that, even that, that's it being actually, Canadian makes it a little crazy. Yeah, it's a little you know off. I mean? there's some, yeah, there's something a little askew about it being Canadian. Yeah. But I like, I don't know, almost like I just like it as a film, other mm-hmm. than like the story is like the least interesting thing yeah. on my mind. But the one thing that they were talking about, I don't, it wasn't in the commentary, it was some interview that I heard with Edgar Wright when he was talking about getting all these actors, like getting good performances out of and picking these specific people. Yeah. Is he's they made up all these shots that you had to do like in camera, like there's tons of special effects yeah. going on in this movie, like from front to back and yeah. little tweaking, even on like the soundtrack, which we also didn't talk about. But yeah, if you want to take, I am I am an idiot when it comes to <laughs> music. So if you want to say anything about, oh, soundtrack, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm smart did you enough, recognize who like I'm the, smart enough to recognize that this movie has good music, but that is that's all I can. But offer. did you know like who wrote like the Sex Bombs? Is like songs? Mitchell Gondry. Michelle Gondry. Michelle wasn't he in there? He's a director. Oh, see, no, it's just yeah. So no, it's just who was it? It was Beck. Oh yeah, yeah. I did see Beck's name. The, yeah, Beck wrote yeah, the Sex Bombs song. I should stop, just stop talking. It. No, Beck is awesome. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he cool. wrote all the. What was I talking about before I got sidetracked to that? Um. Oh, he was talking about getting the performances out of the actors. Okay, I'll get to the music. Okay. Yeah, we should talk but about the music. They want to do all those in-camera tricks, and a lot of that stuff is actually filmed in camera, where you like take away, you know, like when if Ramona starts talking about like one of her exes and the lights dim behind her, uh-huh. like he was talking about how it got like really good performances out of him because it almost like makes you makes the actors kind of panic. They don't because they're like professional actors, mm-hmm. but it kind of like brings a lot out of them knowing kinda like heightens the performance. Yeah, it's a like bit. holy shit! Like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on all around me. And I have to deliver this, like, line at this time. And I, I never thought about that before. I was like, like, he wanted to make each scene, like, a little play. That ah, they did. Okay. I mean, that, <laughs> not, that, not every single yeah, scene, but there's a lot in the there. Movie, yeah. Or stuff where, like, Scott walks into a room and they, like, switch the background out. And then he, like, walks back out and it's, like, a different room out there. Like, they actually, like, did that. Huh. Not all the time, not 100% yeah. of the time, but they did that. And I remember in the commentary, they mentioned something like, yeah, you could have done that shot in, like, 1945. Like, we didn't invent anything new. Like, mm-hmm. you could have done it. It's yeah. like, that's why I feel like it's just, that, like, clever filmmaking. 
is, does that, that mean it's hollow? Is, it's like, right. yeah, I guess right. it could be hollow, but that's interesting. Well, too. and then when it, whenever I'd, I'd kind of kind of start criticizing this movie too much in my mind, I'd, I'd, I'd say to myself, the style is the substance. Like, that that, yeah. that in itself is, can be okay. Or all the other, the other scene that made me laugh, too, that made me think about that is when Knives comes and visits, and um, what's a uh, Wallace, his roommate, tells her that he's not there. And then you see oh, yeah. Scott like yeah. run off one. It's a really quick little thing, but it's like it's got every like it's got Michael Sarah in there. And he he quick ducks out of the way, and he's like, "No, Scott, I think he just left." And then you see him like you see a stuntman <laughs> like fly out the window, right. <laughs> like break through the window, and then it cuts back to knives. She's like, "Oh, okay." Or no, then he reaches back he in the window, grabs his coat. jacket, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then knives like, "Oh, he did. He just left. Okay." And then you see like. Not even in focus in the background, you see Scott just like walk right. by down the road. <laughs> it's like that is just a really funny little scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, you want to talk about the music too? Yeah. What What, what do you have to say? That's pretty music? much it. So ba- the, back wrote the songs for Sex Bob Bomb. Yeah. I did notice um, Scott's ex. We didn't talk about much since this movie is so overstuffed with characters. Um, her band, The Clash at Demon Head. Oh, yeah. I knew one of the songs, the the main. Oh song. really? Yeah, yeah I I've heard one. it. I've like heard it like it on, good. on like it. Pandora or something. Like so, it's like a, an actual like Who is pop it, song. Like again, oh, okay. idiot with music. But it's like, oh, that's a that's like an actual that yeah. must have taken off from this movie or something. Yeah, I'd say like the soundtrack is amazing mm-hmm. in this movie. So that's all. <laughs> that's enough. <laughs> I don't know, but no, I thought that was interesting that they got. They wanted, like, one person. It's, like, Beck and somebody else, like, one of his other bandmates, too. Okay. And they just want, they just, like, recorded a bunch of, like, garage band songs. And I don't, like, I'm, I, that's kind of, like, my style yeah. of music that I really like. Yeah. Like, the little punk band garage music. Yeah. That's what I like. Um, and they, like, record it all in one take. And, mm-hmm. they, and it's, like, they blow it out, like, they're, like, right next to the microphone. And yeah. it's, like, almost kind of crackly. Yeah. And it's, like, it's not really like recorded well but that's kind of the point yeah it's like yeah. talk about nailing it in terms of like what the band should sound like yeah they should sound like back in a garage right with his band yeah, ma- like, making a punk like song. sex bomb that's scott's band is, they're a good band it's good <laughs> but they're not like oh this is crazy right like this is not re- like right. they're like okay like they a, are a good punk like band. a like, like a ca- canadian kids in a garage with some talent who mm-hmm. who took their music seriously which they did um, could sound like this. You yeah. know what I mean? It, I really like that garbage truck song, too, that they Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, anything else about... I was surprised, because I know you, uh, you like Beck, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, when I was... Back when I was cooler with music, Beck is... Oh, okay, is maybe that's my memories. Really, like... No, Beck was is one I was really into. I, I think Beck is great. I, I just... I'm really just so not, like, a music guy. Okay. Like, I'm like... <laughs> okay. You know... It, yeah, I'd say get get the soundtrack. Like, listen, I've been yeah. listening to it. So All right, it's cool. good. Cool, cool, cool. I know that's not groundbreaking. Listening to the soundtrack to Scott Pilgrim, but yeah. that's also another thing he has in common with Tarantino. A really the good music, choice of music, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And like not obvious stuff, you know, like right? <laughs> the kind of weird, awful. Like I've started listening to a lot of bands because I've heard them in a Tarantino movie. Right? Right. I've heard them in oh, Edgar yeah. Wright. Oh yeah, I used to get Tarantino soundtracks all the time. Like I'm not a poser. Yeah. <laughs> like, or I'll admit when I'm being a poser, right. I guess is what I mean. Yeah. No, that's where I c- encounter most of my music is, like, just soundtracks. You know? Yeah. That's really how I come across it these days, so. All right. Um, okay, anything else to say about Oh, Scott? and uh, Bill Hader was the voiceover guy 
did all the oh the oh I never, never would have known that <laughs> I I think I knew that and I forgot about it and I've since been like like really like in Barry and all that stuff uh-huh. and I've like re- he's like done all his voice work and it was like he's the guy that he's I think he's credited as like the voiceover narrator or whatever mm-hmm. he's like the one where Scott Pilgrim is right. twenty two years old like that's oh, Bill Hader okay. doing and then he does all the Two, begin. Right, right. KO. Right, like that's right. <laughs> oh, I never would have uh, yeah. picked up on that. Yeah. There's nothing more to say about it, but yeah. that's a, I thought that was kind of that interesting. That is some trivia. I said at the beginning here in my new little uh, Just, intro, like, think about all the little... Behind-the-scenes <laughs> trivia. That's that is, it. That is legit trivia. But just think of, like, all the talent that was involved in this yeah. movie. Like, who went on to, like, right. become talent. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Michael Sarah was kind of at his ascendancy with this. Because yeah. I think Juno was 2007. Yeah, and you said this movie no. took a long yeah, time. Yeah, something about something that. like that. And this, you said this movie took a long time to make. Mm-hmm. So he would have been like probably right off of that. And and he was kind it of. It didn't take a long time to make. It took a long time for them to like get it together. Okay. Like they were, I think they. He said he licensed like Brian O'Malley's book like five or six years before it even the movie even came out. Did so they they've ta- been working. Did on they talk at all about like how they handled like ending the movie given yes. that the comic wasn't. Oh, out yet? The end of the comic? Oh yes, I thought you were going to talk about like just actually because there were two endings to the. Well, movie. yeah, tell tell me both. Like, what was the original ending? Well, it was then? either going to be Ramona or well, actually, there almost were three. I think I think they actually filmed one. They didn't watch like the other ones, but they were trying to decide like what is the. This is when they were talking about that. They're like, what is the moral to it? Right. They're they were like they realized so, that they're like, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they kind of realized they painted themselves into a yeah. corner and. It, I think they kind of felt it didn't really matter at that point. Right. Like, their job was done already. Right. But they did realize, like, you know, the characters need to do something. Yeah. Like, you can't just be nothing. Right. And they're like, if, you know, if Scott just ends up with none of them, well, that's kind of cheating everybody. Like, mm-hmm. no one got anything. That's not satisfying. If he People want to see Scott. If he goes with Ramona, it is kind of shitty for Knives. Right. If he goes with Knives, it's kind of like, what was the whole point of him fighting seven people? Right. And it's like they were kind of, they, it's like they wrote themselves into a corner. They're yeah. Like, How do you get out of that? And I th- they said that the thing that saved it is that they came up with that line for Knives and she's like, I'm just too cool for you. Like yeah, that they, was good. That, that yeah. was a good little. They said that's what saved good, it. Yeah. And that's what kind of made it okay right. for him. And also that it's, I mean, it is two people walking hand in hand through a magic door, yeah. but it's a little ambiguous. It's like. Yeah. They're not, like, making out at the end. Right. It's not, like, a big kiss. It's just kind of like, right. you know, game over. Or not game over. Like, let's start again. Let's try. Well, yeah, it ends with the countdown. Do you want to continue yeah. to play three, two, one, and then they cut yeah. to credits? And, yeah, she's, it's not, yeah, they don't run together and embrace. It. She says, I'm leaving. And Scott's, like, runs up she's like, do you want some company or something? She's like, oh, you want to come with yeah. me? It could mean yeah, that. So they go like, through that door, and then they just, like, right. they go to lunch, and then they never right. talk again. Yeah. You know. It is. I, I do find that kind of validating, though. Their comments about their film, and mm-hmm. that at the end they realized like they didn't really have like a moral ending. Yep. And like I like that that line by Knives, where yep. she says, "I'm too cool for you." But but it they is, said that's the thing that is, made them change their minds. But it is a way of up. but it is a way of covering up the fact that they don't really yeah. have a moral kind of point they were working towards. Rather, it kind of tricks you into thinking like there is, but, it but is, there really isn't. It's good in the sense where it almost kind of. 
at the end it tricks you a little bit, like, was this knife story the whole time? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like she's the one who comes out on top a little bit. Yeah, a little know. bit, a little bit. I mean, yeah. one line doesn't well, save the Well, that's what I'm saying. Thing, it was but... like the line, the line was kind of an illusion. The line kind of made you feel like they did that, but it's like, did they really do that? Did they yeah. really develop her character? I just think it's not that super deep that it No. It's no. not like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think in a movie like this, one line could kind of make a character become something yeah. else. You know, yeah. well, so like they um, did they talk to like Brian Lee O'Malley? Like, did he not know how he was going to end the comic? Like when they were doing the movie? Uh, no, he didn't know. Oh, okay, and he's uh, how did he put? Because I don't think he's credited on the movie at all. No, it was. Just, I mean, his name comes up because it's his character yeah. and everything. It's based on his books, yeah. but. No, I, it was always from the beginning, I think. It was going to be like a... They knew it because his books were so long. Right. Like, it couldn't possibly be in a straight adaptation. Yeah. So they knew it was going to be like a truncated version right. of it anyway. So they basically just had to decide what their ending was going to be. Yeah, but they also had to kind of turn it into something else, and they said they kind of wanted to make it like an alternate reality. Yeah. Like, they can both exist, and Brian Lee O'Malley kind of liked that Oh, yeah, bit. I think that's He's the like, way to go. Yeah, oh, so do I. I think that was, like, the choice to make. But yeah, I don't remember how the comic ended exactly. I guess I guess if you would ask me, I would have assumed. I think it, they said in the commentary. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I would have assumed it ends basically the same way as the movie. But mm. I guess I don't. I don't really remember for sure. Yeah, no, he was. Um, I know he gets the sword. I don't remember anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I think he he talked about like they were writing the movie as he was writing the book too, mm-hmm. and he got to a point where he was like, "Oh, can I use that idea?" Mm-hmm. And like they were all kind of, it's like they were all writing Scott Pilgrim yeah. at some point. Kind of cool. So yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. So it's cool that it kind of like became its own thing, and Brian Lee O'Malley's cool with it. Oh yeah, and he thinks it's awesome. Yep, yep, yep. Right mm-hmm. on, man. All right, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Okay, <laughs> I'm giving you a pause in case there's anything else. <laughs> I spilled water on the floor. That's okay. okay. The you show talk goes, with your hands. The show goes on. <laughs> I do. Um, all right. Anything else about Scott Pilgrim? No. This is an epic discussion. <laughs> I let the, I just let it go too because I feel like this is our big. It's too much. It's like re- the movie. It's this too is much. our return special. Yeah. Um, all but, right. But just like Scott Pilgrim, we should have edited out. Yeah. Like well. Yeah. We should, we should have edited a couple a couple of these uh, asides out. Yes. Like, like they should have edited out a couple of the evil exes. Um, okay, what do we do now? Uh, beyond the Dive. Yep. We talk about something else that's not Scott Pilgrim related at all. Uh, so, <laughs> Oh, great. That's, thanks for the setup. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? This isn't Scott Pilgrim. You're not talking about something Scott Pilgrim related, are you? Oh, no. Well, okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, at the end, we just kind of set aside some time where we can talk about something we've been reading or watching or listening to or even looking forward to. Um, and we've had a lot of time uh, since we've been on here. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have a bunch of them. But yeah, yeah. So what's what's on your mind lately? What have you been watching? Well, this non-Scott Pilgrim related thing <laughs> yes. is from the director and writer of oh, Scott I Pilgrim. See, I see. It's, fr- uh, it's spaced. I see. So it is Scott Pilgrim related. But that's <laughs> it is, but the reason that I picked it is like, People who know, who really know Edgar Wright, like, know Spaced. And it's, okay. it's only two seasons on BBC. I've, I've heard you talk about it. That's how I know about it. And, I mean, it's really funny. It's where he, he met Simon Pegg, and they, like, Simon Pegg and um, Jessica Hines are the two main characters, the two, a guy and a girl. The premise is like a threes company thing. It doesn't really matter. It's like... Why do, is it, it's... Doesn't have anything to do with outer space, does it? Nope. Okay, that's what I it's, always think. It's space because it's, 
the reason that I related it and I thought of it with Scott Pilgrim is if you like Scott Pilgrim, this is funny because you you didn't like it. So I, let me recommend something. I did like it. Let me recommend I something that's like, like something you didn't like. <laughs> I like. But if you like Scott Pilgrim, space is very much like Scott Pilgrim, like very, very much in that vein. It's just like joke, joke, reference, joke, joke, reference, reference, okay. jokes, so like all the time, like constantly firing on all cylinders, like really, really fast paced. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's also kind of how they wanted to make it. Like you're reading the comic really fast. Yeah, they wanted you to be like in the next scene before you were you before kind you even ended knew it. The last one. Yeah. yeah, it's like you didn't realize like oh the last scene ended. Oh wait, next one. Mm-hmm. Like next joke. And spaced is very much like that. Spaced is a really funny series. So it's on DVD and it's only two seasons. So oh, okay. I, usually I was going to ask so. how much there is of it. Well, that's what the BBC shows are. They're just like one or two seasons. Yeah, I like that. Yep. Yeah, it's good. All right, spaced. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So you probably won't. Wouldn't like it. <laughs> I, I might not. <laughs> I, I'm actually thinking you, you probably wouldn't. But I would say if you like Scott Pilgrim, it's very much like in that vein. Yeah. It's not like it's not sci-fi or anything, but it's yeah. like it's got those elements. Like, kind of it's got kind of like a fantasy element to it. Like he'll have like a a fantasy about something. Uh-huh. Like there's part where he thinks like zombies are attacking him, so there's like zombies fighting. You know, mm. whatever. Okay, I would check it out. Okay. I don't. I don't hate Scott Pilgrim. Don't don't pay me as a Scott Pilgrim hater. I'm just not a Scott. Pil- I'm a Scott Pilgrim liker. Okay. <laughs> I don't love it. I like it. Okay. I own the DVD. I'm looking at my copy of the DVD right now. But not the Blu-ray. I did not upgrade the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that about sums it up right I, there. there that's the DVD. That's where I'm at. I have the DVD. That's good. I'm good. Okay, that's fair. I might sell it eventually. <laughs> no, I like it. I've like watched every special feature on the TV. You know, it's like the thing is like I'm looking at it here and it's like there's like all the actors. I'm looking at Michael Sarah and he's just he's so likable. Like I literally feel bad saying anything bad about the movie looking at him. Like, he looks like a sad dog. I know. Like I can't look at him when I say like negative things about the movie. <laughs> I literally have to like look away. Scott but, is an ass. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, Michael. He's, like, glaring at me. Um, All right. uh, So my behind the dive is, um, this is very much... um, Beyond the dive. Oh, yeah, my beyond the dive (laughs) is... uh, You're so out of practice. I am out of practice. Um, So what I've been watching lately and really digging into and and loving is uh, Arrow Video, who do a lot of cult release. Oh, it was Arrow. We may have done a couple movies that they've they've released. I don't I don't remember. Probably talked about them. Yeah. Um oh, did they, I think they had Chopping Mall. Not the one I said. No. I bought some cheap DVD. Much well, like Scott Pilgrim. Well, I bought an expensive DVD set and that is the complete Gamera. Like the ga- Yeah, like I didn't realize that films. came out already. Yeah. I saw so, they were making it. So if I hope People who listen to this podcast know who Gamera is, but I usually describe him for people who don't as Godzilla's greatest ripoff, right? Like, a lot of people, if they know Gamera, they think, like, oh, yeah, didn't didn't he fight Godzilla? But this is another giant monster. That would be a good move. It would be great. This is another Japanese giant monster created in the 60s by a rival studio. Cause, <laughs> Tono. Because at one time... <laughs> They're, they're, during like the the height of popularity for those kind of movies in Japan, every all of the major Japanese studios had at least one giant monster movie. They all had to cash in on this. Is that where Ultraman came from? Kind of. Okay. Ultraman, well, I, yeah. Well, we don't get into it. Well, yeah, I can go. Yeah. Don't give. Me I like how you say you've been watching lately, Gamera. <laughs> <laughs> well, I but I I kind of I hadn't watched them. No, that collection does look cool. How many are in it? 
there's 12 Gamera movies, so they're that's all cool. there. And and that's what I love about this collection is that it really is everything. Like, the one thing that's not included is uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes. Oh, why? Because they own the... No, that um, can't be the reason. Yeah, no, I actually read an interview with the they guy... they don't always own the Yeah, rights. I actually did it, read an interview with the producer of the Gamera set, and he said, like... We we talked about including those for about five minutes before it immediately became apparent we just did not have the space in in the in the in the budget to make this work. Oh, okay. Um, so, but those are available separately on their own DVDs. But I bring which them you up, also which I also own. But I I bring that up only because that's that's kind of the only thing that's not in here. There's co- every, everything. So how many years? Like, what does it span? It spans nine. Ooh, I'm gonna be colored as a bad Gamera fan. The first one came well, out you in, can, the, you can guess in the early me. 1960s was the first one. It must have been around 64, because that was 63, 64 was okay. like the monster boom 60s in Japan. through. So early 60s through 2007. Oh, okay. Seven. Okay, 60s through 2000. 2000 yeah, 2000, I think it's like 2012 or something like that. The last Gamera movie came out. Okay. Um, and it wasn't an unbroken line, you know. The studio went out of business, another studio picked it up, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I haven't rewatched all of them. I'm kind of going through the set movie by movie. But everything that was included on previous releases in, in terms of, like, commentary tracks, behind-the-scenes information is here, plus a lot more. So there's commentaries on every movie. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes... By who? In, uh, various people. Um, okay. The... Um, the authors of the Shiro Honda biography do one. Uh, David Callett, who does the um, Godzilla commentary for Criterion, he does one. The David Callett. Oh, I, I was excited. I and he does my favorite Gamera movie in this one, too. Because I love that Godzilla commentary. That is probably my, that is like one of the best commentaries ever. Um, but that, to me, is what really sells this Gamera thing. And it comes in this beautiful package, and it has a hardcover book of Gamera comics. That were published by Dark Horse. It's they made this for you. Oh my god, it's so good. And and honestly, as much as I love the Godzilla Criterion set, and I yeah, that's cool. And I actually bought that one too. Yeah, it's great. But the the one thing I would my, my only little disappointment with the Godzilla Criterion set is like when Criterion puts out something, you want it to be the one definitive version. Like you could just have that, and mm-hmm. you wouldn't need anything else. But there are commentary tracks that appear on previous Godzilla releases. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Is like, that, is it just kind of re- almost like a rehash, or just like a re, or just like well, everything that already existed? No, nope, nope. It's everything that already existed and new stuff in the Gamera set. Yeah. But but the Godzilla set, there's stuff that's not there, right? So like with Gamera, I can get rid of all my old DVDs and stuff because everything plus yeah. more is in this new set. It really is like you could not want anything more. Um, Whereas, like, the Godzilla set, um, it's like, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of my old DVDs because they have commentary tracks and special features that aren't on the Criterion set, you know? And that's, you know, so it's not as definitive. But the Gamera thing is complete. Plus, it's all the Gamera movies because there's only 12 movies. There's, mm-hmm. like, over 30 Godzilla movies. Um, Plus, it's a unique problem to have where you have all the Gamera <laughs> Yeah. Should I get rid of all oh, the Gamera well, DVDs yes, I, I've bought? And, right. I've I, bought. And yeah. <laughs> I realize this is not something everyone is in. Like, should I have five copies of Gamera <laughs> versus Gauss, or can I get by with these three? 
Um, but no, with the, with this arrow Pray set, you don't have these problems. With this arrow set, you can you can chuck them all because it's 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 just a, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. It's I chucked great, them all. I don't even have the set. Got great artwork, and I love it. <laughs> you like the Gamera movies? No, I do like Gamera yeah. movies. Yeah, I was introduced to Gamera through Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people. Were. I think so. A lot of people our generation, um, and like the Gamera song and everything is is very <laughs> is well known and. Um, but yeah, no, they're wonderful, and they they look great on Blu-ray, and it's it's just a terrific release. When did that come out? Um, it came out. Just, I feel like just a yesterday. Few, I've no, no, no. It's just a few weeks ago. Okay, I, I remember. I saw. I thought it was going to be released. I thought that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe like last last month it was released. Um, yeah, I think end of last month. But um, I I recommend it, except that I think. You kind of can't get it now. <laughs> really? Yeah, they did Why? like they did like it was always meant to be a limited release, and I didn't really know what that meant, so I pre-ordered it like right well, away. Usually, that's just a gimmick, right? But I was like, well, let me just I'm just gonna pre-order it right away because I know I want this. They did like I think it was eight thousand copies, five thousand for the U.S., and they intended that to like last through the end of the year, um, but it sold out within like the first week. So all twelve copies. Gone. No, I said there's 5,000 <laughs> copies in the U.S. Um, but they are going to apparently reissue kind of a little bit more bare-bones version of the movies. I don't know if they're going to do so it. So they probably just underestimated the... the well, yeah, order. way underestimated, yeah. Yeah, they didn't know how much okay. people love Gamera. Um, and, I thought uh, you were going to say, like, it genuinely is a limited thing, where it's like, they designed it, like... Why would they do that? Who, well, I mean, who they wouldn't did, want to make money? They did design it to be somewhat limited. You okay. know, it's just a little bit more limited than they they had intended. Um, so Camera I th- is limited. Yeah, so they're going to be releasing um, versions of the movies. I, I think they'll still have all the commentaries and everything, but they won't have, like, the packaging and the comics and the essays and all that kind okay, of stuff. That's okay. But that's what you want to look for. Don't, I mean, this is a great set. Don't pay $500 for it or anything like that. Um, and you're sure as hell not selling yours on eBay. No, I'm so, I'm so glad I got it. I'm like, I feel so grateful. So, um, I don't know. And Arrow does good work, too. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I mean, Arrow is funny. Like, some of the stuff that they release... You, well, it, like, but Criterion does that, too, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, some of the Arrow stuff is really, like... Does Return of the Killer Tomatoes need to have... Like a deluxe, you know, steel book with all the interviews. But I guess there's people who love that yeah. movie. People probably say that about Gamera. I think, what did Arrow have the... Uh, I mean, the Ice Cream Man. That's a terrible movie. <laughs> that's not Arrow. That's a Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, okay. I have the um, Last House on the Left. Oh, yeah. Well, see, really now that one I would deserve mm-hmm. the, the treatment. And I think I think Gamera does, too. So um, The other thing I've gotten out of the Gamera set is, like, it's really given me a new appreciation of... Um, Godzilla. <laughs> uh Oh, I almost, forgot, I almost forgot his name. Noriaki Yuasa, who is the director of the first and most of the original run of Gamera movies. Okay. He's kind of like what a Shiro Honda is for Godzilla. Right. Um, I'd never really given him much thought before, because, you know, Gamera is just Godzilla, Godzilla's greatest ripoff. Um, but I've really, like, watching all the supplemental material has really kind of made me appreciate him as a little bit of an auteur. He definitely had a sensibility and an aesthetic that he brought to his Gamera movies. And that's, I know you're like laughing as I'm saying this. No, I honestly haven't really <laughs> seen enough of them. Yeah. <laughs> I know like the goofy mystery science theater aspect. But that's it. what I like about, about these kinds of sets 
and I love to go through all the special features, and it's like, okay, I've seen this movie before, mm-hmm. but this really kind of places it in a context for me, and you can really study it, you know? That's how Criterion's original Godzilla release was, when they just did the first film. Um, I'd, I'd seen it, but, like, watching that Criterion release with David Callett's commentary, it really kind of made me see it again for the first time, and that's kind of how this Gamera set is, mm-hmm. is proving to be. Um, and the Gamera movies, they are goofy, they're easy to make fun of, but, like, some of those earlier ones that were made during kind of the height of, like... Yeah, they were more serious. Yeah, and the height of Japanese Wasn't the film black and white ones serious? The first one is black and white. It's it's a little bit more serious, but one of the things that's, that's kind of cool about Gamera is that, like, from pretty much the very beginning, they were like, okay, this is going to be for kids. Whereas Godzilla always kind of struggled with that the whole mm-hmm. time. Like, it was supposed to be serious, but kids really liked it, so some of the movies are really goofy, some are really serious. I got a Godzuki. Yeah, Gamera, for most of its original run, um, like the first eight movies, is like, these are kids' movies. You know, and that was very important to Yuasa to do that. It would later get relaunched as a, like a more serious... Oh, like, yeah, the 2000s. Yeah. Those ones I've seen, too. Though. Yeah. But uh, I haven't gotten to those yet, but I like those, too, but... Anyway, that's a lot about Gamera. Um, but the, the Gamera era set's terrific, so look for those reissues whenever those come out. They probably won't be out until, like, next year or something, but really, really... But everything's impressive. coming out next year. Yeah, everything's happening next year. It's Next year is going to be our year. This year's been canceled. Yeah, this year has been canceled. But this podcast has not been canceled. We're back up and running. This is... I don't know how long this episode was. <laughs> how long was it, like... I feel like we've been talking. Well, it's for not edited yet. Two so. hours. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, it's coming up on an hour and a half. Oh, that's all. That's 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 fine for our season premiere. And uh, we're not going to take another six months off. Only five. Yeah, only five and a half. Um, but I think that does it for this episode, right? Are we out? Mm-hmm. Of, I'm running. I'm running out of steam. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I hope I didn't kill it with my Gamera discussion at the end. Well, if, if anyone is uh, still still hanging in there at the end, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, do check out Scott Pilgrim vs. the World or revisit it. I did like it again. I did I not hate the movie. I know. Not perfect, but I liked it. Um, so check that out. Um, keep an eye out for those Gamera reissues. Watch Space. Uh, follow us on Facebook. And keep your ears open for the next episode of The Dumpster Dive. Till then, we're out of here. Farewell. Bye.